What's up, Warriors All 82 listeners? Uh, another crossover podcast this week with the Warriors Plus Minus crew. It is another flashback version where we're kind of going back in time. We all watch the same game uh, and kind of bring some thoughts to the table from that. This time we chose 2017 uh, West Finals Game 1 Warriors Spurs. Kawhi Leonard is kind of dominating the Warriors for, for the first half, first you know, two and a half quarters, and then this, the that legendary controversial Zaza uh, closeout that knocked Kawhi out of that game, knocked him out of the series. Warriors end up sweeping, uh, go into the finals, kind of run right through the Cavaliers, uh, go 16-1 and one in those playoffs. Many consider that Warriors team the best of all time. So uh, here is a podcast discussing all that went into that game, all that kind of surrounded that season. It was Katie's first with the Warriors, here it is. Plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. What'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like, like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. All right, welcome back to the Warriors Plus Minus Time Machine. We're going to look back at another game, and we have chosen the 2017 Western Conference Finals, the controversial game one that changed the fate of sports history. Isn't that right, Tim Kawakami? I, I went back over it, and... Not really, I don't think huh? it's a huge. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was big. It was big. Thank, but thank you. Yeah, I reject. Yeah. I, I. I don't. I look. I'm. You're sorry, saying that? Hold on. The world wasn't shifted with this the game. World, Come I, on. I. I certain look, things were shifted. Maybe I, not the world. I don't want to underhype what we're doing because I think it's really interesting to go back and watch these games because you just notice new things. But I do reject a lot of the premise that followed this game and surrounds it. I don't think. I don't think two things are true. I don't think two things are true. I don't think that Kawhi getting hurt had anything to do with determining who wins this series. And I was reminded of that as I watched this. The Spurs were hopeless in this series. They might have won this game. You know, yeah, it had, it had something won to do. Yeah, 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 it had to do. Had a, had a lot to do with winning that game. Yeah, that game. Yeah, yeah, would... yeah. But well, there, there well, is guess... no, there is no way. There's no way. Yes. This, this, there's no way the Spurs. Yeah, the Warriors were the, the better series. team. The Warriors. You were the know better what else? Team. We did a regular season game last time, so you, that doesn't seem too consequential either. So I mean, I, it's I, just I, interesting, I, and it would have been a six-game series. I, I gotta kill. I gotta kill the. I gotta further kill the interest in our podcast. I think I gotta go with number two. Um, number two, the idea that this had anything to do with Kawhi leaving the Spurs. I don't believe either. But we but that's the thing. We can get into all of this. We can get into all of this. And I'll I think just it's say, well, you know what? It really was for me. We can talk about the specifics later, though. It just underlined how Kawhi and not LeBron is the toughest guy the Warriors have gone up against in this run. I, I just, I mean, I just don't, I just, uh, he wasn't nearly at 100% in this game. Then he got hurt. But he just went wherever he wanted to go. He made some defensive plays, not a ton, but he made some. He just is really hard for the Warriors to play against. And this game showed you the difference between a not how far he carried this not great Spurs roster. It was not a great hey, David Lee was huge for this in this game. Tells I you knew, where the roster was. I knew you were gonna have the first <laughs> Oh, come on. I, I, we should have put money on it. We should have put money good. on it. David was good in this game. He really was. They needed, We should have put money him. on it, Slater. We should have hey, put money I on it. I would have said minute fifteen of the podcast, <laughs> not minute. Well, I, I'm just but, trying to say generally, he Kawhi carried this team. You know, with Parker can't can't even play. Ginobili's not on fumes. How bad was Paul Powell? Gasol was on. Paul was How, terrible. That, that <laughs> was, by the way, that's why I reacted the first when I when I saw the opening tip and I see Powell, I, I just go to myself. The idea that this Warriors team, which in my opinion is the greatest team ever assembled, because they had a cold shooting night or day in this game, could have lost this series to this Spurs team is absolutely insane. There's no they way. Have Pal Gasol, David Lee, get out of here. Well, well by way here. of by way of introductions, let's just say the other voices you hear are Ethan Strauss, and we got Anthony Slater back with us. Uh, can we get a little setup? Uh, the Warriors had gone undefeated headed into this game, and they had six game six days off waiting for their next series. And who was on the sidelines? Because I saw Mike Brown. 
Mike doing Brown. the uh, doing the, uh, the 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 mid quarter hit. Uh, so Steve Kerr was still out. So the setup to the game, uh, they have a very good regular season. It is the most bubbly feeling Kevin Durant era Warriors team. That part of Ethan's argument is definitely true. Where there, it was the most bought in the core had been to like you know getting back to the title. Remember they hadn't won a title together. There was the concern that Kevin Durant was out for the season back in February at when Zaza went crashing into his leg. It's the reason why you will see Matt Barnes in this game because they had to get him as Durant insurance. Uh, KD comes back I think about two games before the playoffs. Um, they go in, they go quickly up 2-0 on Portland. KD does look good, although I think he like strained a hamstring, missed a couple games in the Portland series. Steve Kerr then suddenly, and Marcus, we can get into this, uh, but remember that day in Portland where we're at a Portland hotel and Steve Kerr and Bob Myers have to come down and give a press conference about how Steve's health has gone so Just south. like out the blue, remember? Yeah, it's like it was wild. out of nowhere. We, and we can get, that was super interesting. Uh, and yeah, they hand it over to Mike Brown, uh, and then they keep on rumbling. Mike Brown ends up going at 11-0 and 0 as a coach in these playoffs. Coaches all the way through game one of the finals. Steve Kerr actually had to come back in game two of the finals, which was a random. Uh, Ethan Strauss got fired from ESPN. Was the well, other. yeah, obviously. <laughs> that was the biggest news of all. Let's talk, let's talk about that. And Tim Kawakami and Marcus Thompson almost left for the athletic at that moment. Uh, <laughs> literally right before the yeah, series, literally, right? Absolutely. It was this six-day period. It was, it was in between this, this series is when we were deciding whether. But then we said no. Uh, I just decided not world. to kill Budge Racy. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just didn't want to And do then it. later, we it's a whole other conversation. But yeah, this was all in that period. You know what else? I went to lunch, or it would have been like, I, I guess I got coffee with Mike Brown in the middle of this uh, dry period where they had just swept the Jazz. And then, they, you know, like you said, about a week before the Spurs series. Um, and I was doing a story on him leading up to the series. He was about to play pop you know he's about to coach against pop who he had actually spent the previous year he was like kind of like just he was shadowing he was living in san antonio uh, at danny ferry's house and shadowing the spurs so it was kind of like a good lead into that series and then he would go on to face the cavaliers who obviously were still paying him five million dollars a year he at the time was getting three contracts um and he was just i i it was the he had just spent the first previous year uh, it was his first time out of basketball in a while. He was in such a good mood. I remember he pulls up in his Harley. He's like a huge motorcycle guy to this Pete's Coffee in uh, the Grand Lake area. And he was, I I just remember, you know, you hear this like, you know, he's a super diligent overworker. He just would overwork his teams. That was his biggest criticism. And I remember, you just remember how good of a mood Mike Brown was in? I mean, that that somehow he had now been delivered this. I mean, Ethan's talking about it maybe being the greatest team ever. Suddenly, Mike Brown, who was kind of thrown out of the coaching league twice, fired twice in the last few seasons, uh, was now captaining this just like Goliath ship into... Uh, you know, Pop, who he was about to rumble and sweep, and then into the Cavaliers, who uh, there were some sour feelings. So it was such an interesting time for Mike Brown. And at this time, we weren't sure that it wasn't going to be his team permanently. Like this, we it, we didn't know. We had to think about if Steve Kerr had to retire or something because like, to miss playoff games, to miss the Western Conference Finals, I remember thinking, like, this is bad. Remember he had to go to like Duke Medical Center during the the he was not around at all during the Jazz series second round because he was getting you know he was like getting tests done he was a, he was kind of started to be around again during the Spurs series but yeah you're right it was scary I do remember him popping back remember they showed him at halftime during one of these two games the Spurs first two games and he was talking to the team and he was around but then I also remember after one of these games I think it was after this one he was just kind of like. I think he wanted to say hello to R.C. Buford, and Bob Myers was taking him back, and Steve was just like like lost. He like he had no energy. He was just kind of uncertain of where he was. It's a long walk back to the uh, visiting locker room at Oracle. We remember that, but it, it was uh, it was you, I walked around with him, and I went, went, I, I was not sure he was going to coach again. Forget about for the playoffs. Uh, so a lot of weird things were floating around during this series. No question. I remember he texted me because, and that's not too much of a name drop, just because when you get fired, a lot of people reach out. Um, and uh, he said, because of what he was going through, that he expressed his sympathies, but said that I should feel okay because what he had learned is if you don't have health, you don't have shit. 
Um, and that's that's what I remember sticking with me. He was he was in a really bad place around that time, and you know is yeah, it, it really was. The first time around, the season before, it was concerning, but there was something even more concerning about it coming back. That's when you started to suspect, is this going to be the rest of his life? Um, and and, and coming back time. worse, I think, right? I mean, I think it might have been worse this time, and, and nobody really knew why it came up. You know, is it possible to, to, to figure out medicine that would slow it down and prevent it? And, I mean, it was... I remember, Marcus, you, you, you called me from Portland, like, this is really bad right you talked to steve and so this is a really bad situation oh yeah we were like yo this is it just it just didn't feel good remember we all had to learn about what was it cerebral spinal fluid leak and we became like these amateur doctors slater i'm sure you did took a minor class on it right like yeah. <laughs> uh, the reason, though, it's been a little forgotten is because that's by design he doesn't like to talk about it at all won't talk about it yeah, he um, he'll talk about nearly anything else. He'll talk about a lot of other things, but this is something where he shuts down any conversation about it, any article. Uh, hey, I get I get to ask him about it once a season. Once a season, I get to ask him about. And it. it's probably he, his yeah. least candid answer, right? I mean, yes, yeah. I mean, he talks. He'll talk he'll, around it. I mean, he'll yeah. Yeah, once a season. He'll allow me to ask the question, and then it's up to him to kind of decide what he's going to say about it. But he's, he's feeling better now. I think we can end the, you know, we can wrap this up with that. Well, he is feeling better now. What's interesting though, like that season in Portland, you know, you mentioned his willingness to talk about anything else. Remember, so Marcus, we're in that like ballroom. It was like, I don't know, probably like the fourth floor or some like obviously super ritzy. At the Portland. nines, right? Yes, yes. So we're all sitting there waiting and we kind of know something's coming. Um, because remember he had missed practice like the next, the, the day before. So, we, and they were like, uh, Bob Myers and Steve. Kirk and we were like, coming. what's up? And they were like, we got an announcement or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And so, but we were sitting there and, and it was the first round series between the Rockets and Thunder was going on. And that was that, that series that really kind of solidified Harden's rep as a guy who was just kind of like throwing his body into people. It was like when that debate was at, it's like fiercest at the beginning. And I remember, so we're all watching it because we're kind of waiting. You know, the the press conference is not happening for a while. Everyone's kind of watching the end of that game. And Steve kind of walks around and everyone's like kind of starts to stiffen up. And he sees we're watching Rockets Thunder. And then he just like, he's about to go announce that he is like taking a definite leave of absence because of his health. But as he's going there, he's ranting about like, the, that style of play and it was and it was just funny how it was like you were sitting there kind of having a funny conversation with him about you know the the whole throwing your body and how it's not real basketball and then he's like all right uh cameras are on yeah so uh my career is yeah, on. I'm done right <laughs> yeah and Steve, Steve like, could be what? on his deathbed hopefully decades and decades and decades from now and he'll be ranting about isolation basketball um, I wonder if like watching it during his illness made it worse. If you just yeah, pushed God. it over, <laughs> yeah. I remember that I had totally forgotten about that at the nines and us watching that game. I they completely, yeah. So Ethan, you got fired in between the series. I got fired in between the series. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. I, I'd forgotten that. I'd forgotten that. But very, very interesting. What you mean, times. like, like after the Portland, no, the Utah series and before the Spurs series. Yeah, it was and between that, that Port, it was, it, yeah, it was between the Blazers and Spurs series and we had that we had that kind of jazz. layover. Jazz. Jazz, right? Uh, jazz. It was Portland, yeah, Utah. Jazz yeah. yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I remember it was weird is I was going to some of the games because uh, you know, frankly the Warriors were kind enough to say, "Hey, you know, here's a credential if you want to keep working, keep doing stuff." And uh, it wasn't totally – I hadn't totally figured out the situation where I wasn't allowed to work. So um, – but it was very strange. I went to the – I went to the Spurs game one. Um, I had a seat. It wasn't – it wasn't a great seat, uh, or it shouldn't have been because I, was, I couldn't really cover it for a, for a publication. But, yeah, I went to a couple jazz games. I went down to L.A. to meet with Maverick Carter. Uh, at some point in between all of this, uh, which was also very strange and out of nowhere. Um, yeah, it was a very, it was a very bizarre time. Um, and there was just a lot of upheaval and it wasn't just me. I should be for anybody who didn't really follow it. It was the guy who hired me got cleaned out. A bunch of other people got cleaned out. It was, uh, it was like, uh, 
what was the red wedding in game of thrones <laughs> so it was a pretty crazy situation very strange time. timing too that feels like an off-season like, thing to happen not a mid-playoffs that's why it was so surprising um and why maybe i should pretend like it was a layoff um i don't know uh that's something i always debated about but it sure didn't seem like a layoff layoff. It seemed like something else was happening and it was something of a coup and a changing of the guard. But I remember being at this Spurs game one and I'm trying to watch the game, but I'm just, uh, <laughs> I was just in a different place as I watched it. <laughs> All right. Uh, back to the game. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so heading into this game, uh, a few things were still kind of in the air. The Warriors did beat the Spurs on a regular season previously, but they still kind of had the Spurs still kind of had this bit of a, you know, air of, you know, the Warriors had to conquer it. And they immediately in the first quarter just, oh, man, they were they six for 21, six turnovers. They were trying to push the pace and it was just frenetic and crazy. And it just it did not it was not a good first quarter. You want to know what I started thinking about? Remember the season opener this season? This yes, is the first Kevin that's Durant right, game ever. Right. Yep, yep, yep. Same building. Kevin Durant and the Warriors are coming to dominate basketball. And uh, Kawhi was great. Jonathan Simmons dominated. The Spurs won by like twenty five in in Oracle. In the uh, in the, in the debut, yeah, it was it yeah. was easy. So yeah, in this remember, game, I remember like because the the Spurs had owned the Warriors in they, in the playoffs. They hadn't conquered this, and this was kind of the the one big test of the playoffs. Go ahead, Tim. Um, I think Lamarcus Aldridge played great in the first, you know, first quarter, first half, you know, into the third quarter, and you know, he he had not played great against the Warriors a lot from his Portland days. And I remember Maggette used to beat him up. I like, there was stuff like I I couldn't understand about Lamarcus Aldridge, but you know, he's a guy Pop wanted, and they go they go to him to start this game, and he's making shots and. He's just long, and he's scoring inside, and the Warriors look small, and Zaza was not... I mean, it does hit you. Like, this is the greatest assemblage of talent of all time, possibly. Obviously, you know, a dominant team, and they're playing Zaza Pachulia and, and you know, JaVale McGee at center. Uh, and so there were some weak spots, and if Aldridge could have played this way all the way through, and if he could have gotten any more help, it, I think it would have been it would have hurt the Warriors. It's just the point was he just wasn't good enough to continue this. We saw it clearly in the fourth quarter of this one and in, you know, for the rest of the series. But, man, he was good early. you got to remember the game the Spurs are coming off, too. Um, you know, they're, they're bouncing Against into this series Houston, with right? confidence. Yes. So Houston was supposed to be the, the, the biggest threat to the Warriors and would, you know, they would trade for Chris Paul this following summer and then become, obviously, the biggest threat in the West. But they had that nightmare so so it's 2-2 in the second round houston san antonio uh there's an overtime game where harden kind of crumbles a bit down the stretch i think it was the one where ginobili had the block to spurs go up three two um but Kawhi can't play game six in houston and i mean it is i mean that's probably james harden's worst moment um in the playoffs is they just got they remember like they the stopped. spurs yep. you mentioned how bad the spurs look <laughs> without Kawhi. that team dominated houston in game six in houston and that's what the game they're coming off into this he's a great player but when you said that i thought man there is some competition for that one though i mean that's uh you could probably do a top 10 for james harden worst moments in the playoffs um but yeah that one was particularly bad yeah i would probably i would probably go with that one although although game seven game seven of the uh the warriors rocket series but yeah they, but he's was... playing the warriors then oh i'm talking about yeah. playing a spurs team that you just were literally laughing about coming into the podcast yeah but so there were cool. still the spurs right they still kind of had the mystique they of... look good in that first half i mean i know the warriors were rusty but like spurs were playing no, some they good were basketball good. They yeah, were playing you know, good basketball. On the broadcast, I'm watching, they're going, oh, this quick turnaround for the Spurs, this quick turnaround. It was three days, so it wasn't that bad. You know, they just fly straight from Houston to Oakland, I'm sure, to San Francisco. And and three days isn't a ridiculous turnaround in a series. The Warriors were six days. So I, I think the, the Spurs were, like, on rhythm. They were like, this is the way the playoffs are. The Warriors might have been a little bit off. Obviously, you have a different coach, maybe that. Maybe that and after like blitz in Utah, they probably felt blitz, really yeah. good. Yeah. You know, and plus they're obviously they got to deal with Ethan not covering them. Which got, which <laughs> David Lee was especially happy. I said <laughs> David Lee was throwing you know 
kickout passes in transition, no look, uh, just one touch. I mean, David I mean, Lee let's, was let's in get a flow. to the David Lee segment of the podcast. Then, <laughs> why don't we? Uh, no, Mark no, Jackson seriously. was loving it. Oh, oh yeah. man, Mark, Mark Jackson was, was loving it. David yeah. Lee up oh man, he was loving it. It was great. I mean, the truth is, when David Lee came in the game. That's oh, when no they question. went on a run. They went on no a question. run. Like it was no like, because the, the 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 crazy part. There was a moment in the first quarter where you know Spurs are up and like coming to. It might have been second quarter actually. Coming to the uh, scores table, they showed a shot of Steph and Paul, Paul Gasol both like checking in, and it's like the the visual of it is this is the problem, right? Like. <laughs> One one is bringing in this sensational guard. The other is bringing in like this 82-year-old big man who can barely move. And they start big with Aldridge and Gasol. And they don't go small per se. They just go with David Lee and Aldridge, which you would still think plays into the Warriors' hands. But it actually, it was hurting the Warriors legitimately. Well, I think that was, and they talked about this on the broadcast, and I kind of remember at the time, was can the Spurs stay big in this series? Like, that's the only chance they had because they did not have another power forward. Like, who would they have played if they were going small there? I guess it would have been Kawhi. So maybe that affected the, the series a little bit. But okay, can they go with two of their three big guys? And Gasol could not play in that game. So it had to be David Lee. He had to play well. And guess what? David Lee played well. He played really well in this game. No question about it. I think he was doing it to go against you, by the way. He was. He was. He was going right in my face. Right in my face. I think he was coming for you. Steph, Clay, KD, 4 for 15 in the first quarter. I mean, Slater, is it really just that simple? Those dudes weren't making shots? Well, why don't we get into Clay a little bit? Uh, 2 of 11. And, and, you know, it's funny. I Clay has gotten I, the biggest pass of all time, by the way. I, I, I did. If I was to argue against Ethan's point or anybody's point that says this was the greatest Warriors, uh, you know, version of this Warriors team, my argument would be this is the worst version of Clay Thompson. He had a kind of bad first Durant season. I think he was the underrated guy that was still kind of trying to to readjust. I mean, you see the him in guy this game. who said he wasn't going to adjust. Yeah, right. <laughs> he goes two of eleven in this game, like some bad misses and some of it. Hey, you know, sometimes he just misses shots. But I looked at his playoff numbers in this series or in this season, only 15 points per game on 39% shooting 38% from three 78% from the free throw line. He didn't have a good playoffs. Uh, and it, you know, like he, you could see it in this game. Like he was a negative in this game. Um, it was his worst worst playoffs. As I, a I can't believe that Clay Thompson shooting thirty eight percent from three in the playoffs is the argument for why this wouldn't be the greatest team ever. And not thirty nine percent. No offense to Zaza, whom I whom I love, uh, <laughs> that Zaza doesn't get skipped over. Who definitely beyond injuring Kawhi Leonard in this particular game had some rough rough moments. The, here's the part that like rewatching this game, you, I just I was just reminded of how frustrating Zaza can be. And I like Zaza. He's a he's a really nice dude, right? And obviously he was at the end of his career. But my lord, how many times did he touch the ball and not get it? <laughs> it's like, it's like, dude, it's unbelievable how many and times he always, actually had his hands from, on the ball. It's always from Steph, right? I mean, Steph's giving those little drop passes, and Patchouli's just got to take one step and lay it in, and he can't do it. He can't even get the shot off in this game. It's like, uh, 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 no, and they'll kick it right back out because I can't do anything with it. You want to know what's crazy? Only three Warriors scored in double figures. KD goes, I think, 36. Steph has 40. Zaza is the third yeah, Warrior in double figures. Oh, that's, how, that's how open he was. That's how many times he, he was four of six. I could have sworn he was four of 14 in this he game. Did he did have kind of one smooth connection with Draymond in transition where he caught it and like kind of like lefty finger yeah. holding it in. But, other, I mean... Me. He's he. I mean, he's just super stiff, and you kind of forget like just. And the truth is, remember they went and played Cleveland, and he gets played out of that series. And his, I think Javale starts the Cleveland. Well, then he, he didn't play the rest of the series, did he? Because he didn't get hurt or they yeah. Just, I think it was yeah. like a little like minor plantar fasciitis. Because I remember like San Antonio's fans wanted to boo him so bad, but he couldn't play, and it was like they were that they were like, we're not going to win the series. Can we at least boo Zaza? <laughs> There's one point though I want like the you, you know super team great team but there were always little possibilities we talked about Kerr not coaching in the series and and for eleven games playoffs but I'm watching the game and then Iguodala just disappears like he's playing he's playing he's not playing particularly well and then he's not playing anymore and it turned out he had a I guess I, I kind of Slater was telling us a minor injury doesn't play game two like he was always you never really knew at this point 
of the Warriors run when Andre was going to be healthy or not healthy, and suddenly he's not healthy. And so, so say they lose this game, which easily could have happened, and they don't have Andre for game two, and Kawhi's healthy, if all those things are true, I think they're in some I'm going to go with Slater on they're, they're in some trouble here if that all those are true. I think this is at least going six. Yeah. And if it goes six, it's interesting because six is in San Antonio. And I'm not saying that San Antonio is great, but if Andre, if Andre's, if they lose this game and Andre doesn't play game two, do you think they're fine? I do. I do. Hmm. I completely disagree. With, I Kawhi, think that, with Kawhi yes, healthy. Yes. Okay. I think that they were completely out of rhythm. They were missing a lot of shots. LaMarcus Aldridge is pulling, you know, end of shot clock, deep, uh, deep contested shots out of his butt. And yeah, I could see it going six, but that's as far as I could see it going. At bottom, you have a situation that the Spurs cannot solve that you saw in this game, which is with those slow bigs, Steph getting around screens. Uh, I just don't think I don't think they had the talent. I don't think they. Had this the is talent. a Warriors team that played Matt Barnes ten minutes, by the way. That played I, I, Zaza twenty six minutes. Yeah, but yeah. look, look who they're throwing out there. The yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm not saying the Warriors were worse. I'm saying. They yeah, they I go think... down one at home and they don't have Andre for game two. I think we're writing. There's some interesting things going on here. That's what I'm saying. And we might not be talking about this as the greatest team ever if they get pushed to six by that Spurs team. I know. I kind of got to side with Ethan on this. I just didn't believe in Lamarcus Aldridge. Bottom yeah, line, you right. just he need a second one. player. I don't think any of us. I don't think any of us are arguing the Spurs were going to win this series. I don't. But I think at five max, if it won this game, I mean, it would have. That's it. Well, this is why this else. is why we're bad at our jobs. We, know, we right? should be doing the first take thing. One of you should be arguing vociferously, doing the Skip Bayless uh, that this would have happened, and then we've got a real argument here. Nah, I, I, I think that the Kawhi wild card was always there until he was out. That this guy could just win a game or two by himself. He he could. So if you let this thing go longer, and we saw what happened. I mean, I I got Toronto flashbacks. From a flashback, so I'm flashing back twice here, but I'm watching this game going, Kawhi Leonard is not a guy you want to get deep into a series against. And, and I don't know there's anybody else I would say that. LeBron, certainly just because of the talent. But, you know, Anthony Davis didn't really do that, I think, against the Warriors. I mean, they Harden certainly hasn't done that against the Warriors, where they got a guy where it almost doesn't matter. Like, you just don't want to get into a late series with this guy. And I think if he had stayed healthy... There would have been some worries. That's all I'm saying. He 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 was incredible. Like he was a yeah. worry. His shoulder, man. He was just everybody oh. who got in front of him was bouncing. Zaza, Zaza yeah. was bouncing like five feet backwards from him. He he was great. He was a little bit springier than we've seen recently, and he was doing some stuff that you don't see him doing anymore, which might speak actually like two to steps work. from the three point line and dunking it. Right? I hadn't dunks. seen that in he a had, while. Yeah. He had two dunks that were he, ridiculous. He was also doing weird run along the. The baseline off ball getting to the corner three-pointer like he was clay i mean i i kind of feel maybe one of the reasons he left is that he was forced to do a lot of things that he wasn't comfortable doing or he just wanted and to didn't you start by saying ball. this game wasn't the reason he left now you pointing out no i'm saying that i'm saying here no okay here's the succinct thing that i'm saying um I think it's been totally underplayed that Kawhi didn't like Popovich, didn't want to play for him, and left. And it's been all put on this injury. It's the injury. It's how the Spurs handled the injury. Um, I think the injury uh, wasn't good and didn't help that particular dynamic. But it's not too hard to read between the lines and see that those two did not get along. He didn't want to be... He didn't want to be yelled at by Greg Popovich anymore, and he was out, and you hear that, and I think it's been... Or maybe he wanted reason, the ball under- in his hands more, because he, he did not have the ball a lot. There was a lot of uh, Patrick... Uh, no, what's his high, name? Uh, high, Patty, low. Pa- Patty, Patty Mills. Mills. Yeah, a lot Ooh. of Patty Mills ball. It's like, yo, this is a lot of Patty Mills. That That's one of the reasons I don't really think the Spurs team was going to be a problem. Like, Kawhi was incredible, but that's... These guys would have worn down. They're Jonathan, not Jonathan Simmons and they but played the reality, their they Murray. Yeah. The reality in our argument is we're saying they're already up 1-0 with a road win. Like they only need one yeah, more. So, so, so were the Philadelphia 76ers in the finals, you know? Like you, that's the game you can most afford to lose when you're the favorite is the first game. You know, there's a lot of I will say uh, the the one thing that folds into that is even when the Warriors are down in this game and getting beat 
what happens? They clear the, you know, clear the top, get it to Durant at the top of the circle, and he goes gets buckets. Or third quarter, balls bouncing around, ends up in number 30's hands. He gets a screen, boom. Like even when the Warriors were playing bad in this game and they were out of rhythm, and you know Kawhi was was asserting himself. They had those two guys, right? Those two guys. And and one thing, you know, about Mike, Mike Brown, like he was always much more willing to just put the ball in Durant's hands for three possessions in a row and just say, you go, Steph, go stay in the corner. And they did that a couple times in this game and Durant scores. And when you have that at, at all else, when everything else is screwing up, you're going to win a series. And yeah, that's why we're all saying they would have still won the series. But this one... This one could have been, uh, you know, a little bit of a turning point and to make this series a long one. But Durant, I just saw that. Durant isn't the guy we wrote about after this game that I remember. But, man, there were a couple possessions there where the Warriors had to score or else this thing's going 30 points and Durant scores. And then he scores again. It's one of his, it's probably his greatest career skill I can remember like just like the characteristic he was a run killer he would always kill another team's run whereas like Steph to me is more like the momentum builder when you're rolling he's, he's the rolling. run creator huh? yes yeah. <laughs> he's 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 putting a 12-0 run on you whereas Katie it was in Oklahoma City particularly I can remember uh you know what another team is gaining momentum it's 4-0 run it's a 6-0 run oh he's just gonna hit a tough shot he's gonna hit a tough 20 footer the you know the building is gonna you know if you're at home you know you kind of get the building back into it and and he he did it so many times in this game i love this observation from anthony i i had never really thought about it like that but it is steph's the run builder katie's the run the run stopper and it's because kevin durant doesn't seem to need rhythm to score, unlike everybody else in the league. I mean, I'm sure to a certain extent he can get in a rhythm, but it just seems to be a situation where everybody else can be out of sorts. You can dump it down to KD, uh, turn around, bucket, and that's it. But there is also just so much more. I mean, that Eurostep, that Eurostep's so nasty. I mean, it's really... I think that's one of the most underrated moves in the league is Kevin Durant's Eurostep that covers three acres um and it doesn't yeah. even look like a euro step that's what's no. great but like it's just it's a Durant just a regular move. step yeah you know, what what's yeah. impressive about durant and i think you know he, he's always talked about his like affinity for the mid-range shot and how like either you know everybody else can have the threes give him the mid-range jumper but it really is like a, a very old school style of basketball that when you need a bucket you go for a high percentage shot and he's got five to ten spots on the floor where it's a high percentage shot if he gets there. It doesn't even matter the defense. If he gets there, it's like a version of a layup for him or it's like a go-to shot for him. And, and, almost and it was very smart. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's yeah. very smart basketball. It's it's not like Steph is the type of clay. If we're down, oh, my God, we need to hit some threes, and they take a low percentage shot. Where Katie's game, like, seven nah, against, game seven absolutely. against Cleveland. <laughs> right? And KD's like, no, I, I got ten spots on this floor. That for me are very high percentage shots, and I'm going to get them uh, in the time you need it the most. It's very smart basketball, low key. So, um, you know, the argument for this being the greatest version of the Warriors would be the KD buy-in factor, um, where they, sh- you know, they should have been a better team the following season. Be- you know, if it was just like the same kind of cast of characters, Clay's a bit more comfortable, everyone's more comfortable around each other, um, but. Everyone kind of says after year one is when KD started, you know, he didn't get the praise he thought after uh, winning the title. Then, like, you know, stuff kind of started to shift. Did you sense even watching this game, like, it did kind of seem like there was was a lot more team-wide, like, buy-in for the mission? Oh, it was was crazy, right? Like, it was – there were some plays where uh, it was like – it would be like a Steph Draymond pick and roll – and clear or the play is designed. Steph, they used to run this play where Draymond's in the post and they're doing the, the off ball screen to get Curry to come towards Draymond on the wing. And Durant's standing way in the opposite corner. And he's like living with the play, right? And then when Curry hits the three, he's over there cheering in the corner. And like fast forward two years, <laughs> he's standing in the corner, like whatever, on the same play if he's not the one posting up. You can just see when other people are doing things how they're all kind of engaged. It was, it jumped off the screen for me in this game, how 
locked in and together they were. Even even like with Zaza. Zaza, say what you want about him. He brought a certain spirit to this team. They love Zaza. Yeah, they, like the, the, he 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 definitely helped their chemistry. Well, JaVale, JaVale did too. I mean, both those guys. And, and David West. But yeah, J- J- Zaza for sure. Although I was watching this game closely for Zaza, like little elbows and little shoves and little, oh man, all over the place. He was like not... A nice why was guy. In the NBA? He was not clean. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You're saying he wasn't a clean player? Not exactly a clean player. Like little, sh- little elbows to Lamarcus Aldridge. Little shoves. I mean that that one that one screen where Steph is running baseline and he's not in position to set the screen. Like it's Patty Mills, so he just like reaches out and pushes him. I like <laughs> so he can't I, yeah. get to. I, I, I like when uh, he Patty Mills breathed on him and he just fell down um, on a change of possession. Uh, that was also amusing to me, where he's elbowing people all game. And I think he, he did that flop after uh, ruining Kawhi's season, too. Um, but yeah, he was just, yes. <laughs> I could see why other fan bases were very frustrated with him. <laughs> so here, there's an interesting dynamic that was happening, too. I, I, I just felt like Draymond own LaMarcus Aldridge and that wasn't going to change but one of the things that stood out to this game is how Draymond was really always matched up with a big and that probably is the difference right like he he went from from Gasol or Aldridge him and KD kind of alternated or him and Zaza kind of alternated and then they bring in either David Lee or Bertans like he spent all of his time on the big in this game, either guarding them or being well, there guarded really, there by were, There wasn't anyone else for him to cover because San Antonio just didn't have that other player that, that Draymond would have to guard unless it was Kawhi, and they where's that plenty of guys to, to guard Kawhi? Yeah, they don't, nobody does that anymore. Nobody puts a big on Draymond anymore, which has forced him to adjust his game. But when, when that was happening, they always had that backdoor plan. Like even when they're down 25, they just go small and speed the game up. <laughs> And it just creates looks for them that eventually they're gonna make it. That it just felt like they were gonna win. And this one, they they did it without Andre, right? I mean, it was Livingston playing that. Livingston was good. Yeah, Yeah, Livingston was really good in this game. No Um, question. You want to know? So, I mean, you you wouldn't get it from this game because Draymond goes 0-1 from three in this game. But at one point, uh, they mentioned. I think it was probably after he missed. Breen was like Draymond, who has been hot from three lately. I was like, wait, what? So I went back and I went back and looked. He coming into in the first two rounds was twenty one of forty one from three, and in this playoffs he was thirty two of seventy eight, forty one percent. He could shoot threes with Steve's not coaching. Like, exactly, I was say without Kirk coaching, there's Draymond lights it up from three. He easily outshot Clay from three in these playoffs, which I mean, I mean that's just that guy doesn't exist anymore. All right, so the the elephant in the room uh, or in this game happens in the third quarter when Kawhi Leonard, who already missed game six of the previous series because of a sprained left ankle, he hits a three from the corner at about the 946 Not, mark. I got, yeah, I got it marked down 943, and this is the forgotten moment, right? Yes, exactly. Yes. exactly. He hits the yep. three, and he's like, you know, backpedals as the three goes in, and he steps and plants to run up court, and he steps on David Lee's foot on the I bench. was going to say, David Lee about to get another <laughs> David bench. Lee. He is huge in this game. Yeah, huge so in this game. He sprains his ankle, he limps up to court. They ended up pulling him out, but he comes back in. And then two possessions later. Leonard fires from the corner. And Leonard goes down again. And he's in pain again in front of the Spurs bench. Again, that's that's what they call all the time when you get your feet into the landing space of the shooter. That ankle taking a pounding air in the third quarter, one that was already sore. You got to remember, he's coming into this game with a left ankle injury too. It's why he missed. That's to me in a rewatch. That's why Zaza maybe comes off a little better than you remember because it's like it's not like oh a sudden ankle injury. Like this guy was like really kind of trying to gut through it. None of the turns to me on the ankle were that severe. It's just clearly the ankle was already at such a bad place. 
as a uh, as a uh, breed says, this ankle is really taking a beating here in the third quarter. <laughs> but but yeah. and like, Zaza made sure of it. <laughs> it did did. I don't know. Look, it, it, he didn't do it on purpose. No, right? No. Like he's but, not but, even but in, looking. But yeah. it, it was he, he oddly protested enough, the call. He protested he did, he did. the call. Yeah. Oddly enough. <laughs> That like I didn't realize these sequences were so close, but literally Kawhi, they were on back to back shots. I think there was a possession in between them, but he he hits the three from the nearly the same area, and Durant contests, and Durant's contest is perfect, up down. He's not in his landed space, and then Zaza contests it, and he's all under him. So. I don't know if it was intentional. It just was clumsy, and it shows the different caliber of well, defender. Exactly. Agility. If a little difference in agility defend, there. A little difference in agility, but it's also this other thing happened where it's end of shot clock, and NBA players are trained to guard threes now more than ever, even if they're bigs. You don't want to give up the three. You don't want to give up a three at the end of the shot clock. Kawhi goes into his step back. And I wonder if Zaza was used to or thought that I'm closing out on the three. Kawhi takes that shot with his back heel on the three-point line, which is just a kind of shot you don't see often in the NBA. So I wonder if that might have thrown things off a little bit. But again, I don't think Zaza is coordinated enough to, with his back turned in the flow, change of direction, uh, Bruce Bowen people with extreme. I also don't think Zaza was the kind of player who actually cared if he was being deferent, you know, about this stuff. Like his whole game is a little reckless. If he dies, he dies. Yeah. Yeah. True. True, But the, but the conversation afterward got to a point that he, he really kind of felt bad. Like, not like, Oh, I feel bad about that. Like he was hurt by the conversation. I wonder why. Let's hear what, uh, what Popovich had to say. We've had a pretty damn good season. We've played fairly well in the playoffs. I think we're getting better. And we're up 23 points in the third quarter against Golden State. And Kawhi goes down like that. And you want to know if our chances are less and you want to know how we feel, that's how we feel. But this is crap. And because he's got this history, it can't just be, oh, it was inadvertent. He he didn't have intent. Who gives a damn about what his intent was? You ever hear of manslaughter? You still go to jail, I think, when you're texting and you end up killing somebody. But you might not have intended to do that. All I care is what I saw. All I care about is what, I, what happened. And the history there exacerbates the whole situation and makes me very, very angry. I mean, he literally compared it to manslaughter, to texting and driving. That was He says, who gives a damn about what his intent was? You ever heard of manslaughter? You still go to jail, I think, when you're texting and you kill someone. Pop doesn't mean that. Pop, pop. This is so, pop is not averse to playing the the referee game or angling in certain. I mean, ways. this wasn't a referee game. This is like some uh, ACLU like species. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, I mean, you probably played that little part, but but there was a larger rant before that, which included in it. I remember he he brings David West into it because West and Zaza had gotten into it when West was on the Spurs the year earlier, and he says like, ask David West, his current teammate, how things went when Zaza was playing for Dallas and how he and David got into it, and I remember. Like that, it it became a very weird vibe around this series because like obviously the competitiveness was taken away of like who was gonna win the series, but Pop is so loved in that locker room, right? Obviously with you know Steve and Mike Brown, but I remember it's just being weird. Like even David West was like they they were not happy with the way Pop kind of attacked Zaza's character. Yeah, when you know what uh, when I heard that, I go he knows that one Kawhi's not coming back, and he knows he has no chance. Like I didn't understand the purpose of that. Uh, it, it almost seemed like he was going overboard. It was a white just, flag, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it just like, here's my excuse. And I didn't think Popovich was like that. And he's going at the Warriors, which obviously he's got good friends, and Steve is not healthy. Uh, I, I didn't really that understand. That was the weird was part, the, was yeah. the Steve relationship, I thought. Yeah, it's like, what what is he saying here? Because, what, so Zaza gets officiated clo- more closely? Who cares? That's not, the the point was that, that Popovich was flipping out over something that, 
like I, I just don't understand. Like he, by the way, I don't even he was looking at the play. He doesn't react after the play. If you watch it, he doesn't even react. He has like to be some, told that Kawhi is yeah, down. Somebody exactly. like, hey, pop, look, he's like down. Yeah, over it's here. just weird. Like and then this, he decides that this is going to be the argument. I, I just thought that was a complete and total surrender, and I, I thought it was strange coming. And from wasn't him. his manslaughter comments like the a day later? It wasn't after yes, the game, right? It was yeah. at a San Francisco. It was at a San Francisco hotel. It, the day after, I if, if Zaza's going to jail, if if Zaza's going to jail for manslaughter, then then what is Bruce Bowen? Like what? How many cases are on Bruce Bowen? Is is one thing I would say about that. And secondarily, look, it's obviously a foul on Zaza. It's something that the NBA tries to cut down on. Um, again. You don't often see anybody doing it with their back turned. I mean, if we have a bunch of clips of Zaza doing that specifically, then I think we can build a case. But this is a pet peeve of mine because we see this in the replay era and maybe more so from fans than coaches in Popovich's case. People react with extreme judgment to things that they did not even notice live once it's in replay and it's in slow-mo and suddenly you're grafting on an intent yeah i gonna say they, they prescribe intent onto something that just ha- you know things happen and you don't know that's look at he is intentionally trying to do that well no you have no idea it's just the way the body reacts not only is this an example of the replay era which ethan's talking about but it's also the twitter era i remember oh um, social media my i Lord. remember in the in you know this is this is at a point where i'm working at the newspaper at the time and you know there's a your your minds were probably there too. There was a little bit more of an obsession with the importance of Twitter at the time before we now at the athletic, like I try to like, you know, I'm on it, but I'm not trying to like really lock in. I do remember it. it, You even watch the broadcast. They don't mention it for like four minutes, but I remember Twitter just exploded and we'll we'll get to the 19 0 run that comes after this for the Warriors. I didn't remember the run because everyone was so locked into the conversation about the Zaza play. And that to me is, is yes, the Popovich stuff took it to another level, but I just remember like the ferocity of like the Twitter wave of like, Oh my God. And I think it was more just people were mad because they thought they were going to see a competitive series. And then it wasn't. I mean, isn't that what it was though? Right. People were just, (laughs) I mean, it's really what it was. It's like, Oh, okay. Transference of anger. We were, this was an incredible outcome. Kawhi playing spectacularly. The Spurs are going to be up. 1-0, this is going to be a series, and boom, this is really disappointing. We've got a fall guy who falls a lot. It's Zaza. A fall guy who falls a lot. It's pretty good. So it's 72-52 when Kawhi gets hurt and Simmons comes in. No, yeah, no, no I'm no, sorry. No, no. That was the first time. That was the first time. Yeah, yeah the yeah, first time. Kawhi yeah, comes out, he comes back in, and then he gets the free throws from the Zaza injury. So it's 78-55 when, at 7.55 left in the third quarter when Kawhi comes out. And then the storm hits. And you know what I was thinking about as this was happening? Oh, man, Oracle used to be so live. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, man, yeah. Oracle yeah, was, was lit. Yeah. And Curry takes over the game. He 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 was already filling it a little bit. He hits a three, sets up a patchouli jumper. Kevin Durant gets to the line, and it's like, all right, Curry and Durant just go to work. And it it doesn't take long, but I know at the time we were all waiting. Like, when's the Warriors run coming? When's the Warriors run coming? When's the Warriors run coming? And then it hits, and at that point, it's like they're going to win this game. At least I, I remember thinking they're going to win this game. Especially with no Kawhi. In the playoffs, Curry high three. That's good. Steph Curry lighting it up here in the third. 28 points, half of them. Curry, a two-pointer, puts it in. 16 straight points. Timeout, San Antonio. I weirdly was impressed about how the Spurs weathered this storm. Yes, yeah, right. No I thought they no was. Question. I thought they yeah. t- got rid of the lead the third quarter. They were still up in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I was like thinking, man, I I would have guessed that the late third when you get the 18-19-0 run that gets it to within like six or seven, at that moment I would have guessed Warriors blowout, like 12-point win. So, yeah, I thought Spurs uh, reacted well. Spurs yeah, Spurs still had some guts. Right? I mean, they absolutely, maybe they didn't show it the rest of the series, but in that game, the guys, Kyle Anderson and, you know, the guys are throwing in shots, and it, it, it was – you know, respect, respect, I respect that. And you know, they, they kept going with it. 
Uh, and then, you know, the Warriors kind of flattened out. You, you go on 18-0 run. To, but, you know, 18-0 still gets them to only within five. That's the point. Like, they had to keep working. And they got a little, I think, a little bit slowed down because you just can't keep going with that. And the Spurs kind of slowed the game down, made it tougher, and the Warriors had to grind it through. Here, one thing, maybe only I realized that the Warriors weren't playing a backup shooting guard back then because like, they, they never did. Yeah. Wow, I mean, like Since Barbosa, that was, that was it. Well, I mean, they had Ian Clark. I guess Ian Clark uh, didn't Ian, play a ton. Yeah, I mean, he hit the, one he, of the biggest shots of the game. He, he hit did a three, like three to play, open the fourth. Yeah, he didn't play till that. By the way, he didn't play until then. They just kind of were going with Matt Barnes and as you know, as an kind of extra wing and not going with the backup shooting guard, which was, was kind of. McCaw I just was, was looking... on the roster, and McCaw ended up having like a couple of decent moments in those finals. In the finals, but, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it just like that's a weird part of this team where you don't need a backup guard. two guard when Steph yeah, Curry guess... scores nineteen and a third and assists on another six true. point. Like he you just need people to defend the other guard. It that's was crazy how. Uh, like to just the amount of space, I it's like they they just didn't have a chance. The amount of space once they got in 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 you know pace and in space and started moving the ball, it's it's just weird watching bigs try to stay up with Curry. Like when you fast forward and you see how they cover him, it's way different. He barely he rarely gets that kind of space and, and a one big guy in front of him. But he got it and he took advantage of it and, and he caught a little fire. But like you said, they still needed to win this game in the fourth quarter, and that's when. Kevin Durant took over the game. Like I think he scored at one point seven of nine points, or you know, or like might have been seven straight points where he just like, all right, it's Durant time. We'll take over the game. It was single digits, maybe six or seven points. I think he hits a three. Then he gets a driving dunk, and Mike Breen goes crazy, and it's like, all right, this is this is Kevin Durant time, and it was the perfect kind of setup. It's like Steph is the the uppercut, <laughs> and KD is. The right cross to knock you out. Durant drives inside and finishes. Timeout San Antonio. It's a four-point game. Contested three. Kevin Durant from downtown. He's got 30. It's a three-point game. And that was really Mike Brown's signature, I think. I mean, like, he set up these periods for Durant to take over. Like, maybe more, you know, very kind of old-school NBA style, more than the Warriors kind of get it in the flow, work the ball around, move, everyone share, touch the ball. Like, there was always going to be a couple times every half where it was two minutes, go get him, Kevin. And and Durant was there for this game. And this was just, right, coming on the heels of the Utah series where – I think it might it was either game four or game three in Utah where the Warriors were down and they just started all right, ISO, every ISO. time pick yeah. and roll, get get go barrel to Durant and we just go run until they didn't stop it. And I think was Kirk coaching then? No, no, no. No, this he was Utah out, so it was Mike yeah, Brown. Yeah, right. No, Mike, total that's what I'm saying. It's total Mike Brown. Just every time. Yeah, down. yeah, yeah. Like like just stop just just Kevin Durant at the top of the circle, Steph go to the corner, pick and roll, get go bear on Durant. Durant takes two dribbles, stop, pull up, boom. And that was a, I think that was game three of the Utah series. Just because we're having this conversation, I'd never thought of this, but, um, you know, we always talk about the, you know, Draymond having issues with Kerr in the post Luke Walton era because it was like, I liked it when Luke was coaching, basically. Um, do you think there's anything to, I mean, KD gets that 11 game playoff just sprint with Mike Brown where it is just hand him those type of keys. Yes, go just pick and roll against Gobert. Really some kind of thundery type stuff. Um, and then obviously Kerr comes back. The next season comes, and it's more Kerr-type basketball. I mean, look, again, we've never thought about it, but, I mean, is there anything to that as far as when we talk about the little breadcrumbs that lead to KD leaving? I do think there's something to this idea that there's uh, equality on a roster. <laughs> <laughs> right, like everybody, I, I know people call it, you know, Curtis socialist offense, but th- there is a hierarchy on a roster, and the players accept and respect the hierarchy. And just anytime, I, I just think it, it, it wears thin with super superstars, which makes Steph Curry so unique, right? When you say, yeah, you have to decrease so you can fit into this 15 man group, like, I just 
superstars don't do that. Nowhere else around the league does it happen. And Kevin Durant is a superstar. So, and we he we heard it. To come, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, but we true. heard it constantly too, where he's like going back at Kerr and, and and barking back at this idea of fifteen guys that were all one. It's well, like no, we some heard it. Stand out. We heard it. We did not hear it in year one, though. No, we did. Which was what was no. interesting about this. We did. That th- this was definitely a team, right? Like they, this this felt like the start of something. I, I do remember that. Like watch next year when they get a, after they got a year together. This felt like this would be the beginning, and they would keep rising to another level. But in hindsight, this ended up being the best that they were. I, I would yeah, say. Yeah, and I I think and just going with that, I think it's an interesting point by 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 Slater. I think Durant would have been more comfortable, yeah, with, with kind of more basic sets, more and and Mike, if you know, let's say Steve doesn't come back for the following season, I think Mike Brown would have done it more like that. But I also think the Warriors would have lost some games, and there would have been some no tension. Question. There would have been tension no matter what, yep. and and this would have brought even more tension because the Steph people. And we know who that is in the locker room. We know who that is in the crowd. We know that, you know, that would have been something maybe even worse for the team that to deal with that tension would have been building and building and building. And I think just it's a different way to look at it. And it certainly could have unfolded differently. But I think the tensions built up in the Durant Warriors relationship one way or the other would have led him to 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 want to go after a couple years after three years i just think it would have worked differently but and it might have been a little slower but it still would have happened i think the only the way it would have maybe been solved is like if the world embraced kevin Durant as the unquestioned top player in basketball and 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 continue to keep praise on top of it so there was even more praise the next year and then even more praise the the year after that sorry there's a I, I have been now pressing the toddler duty, so I don't know if you hear Baby Shark playing in nope. the background. We don't. Nope. That's good. We, we yeah, aren't but... opposed to Baby Shark anyway. No, that's okay, too. Okay, yeah. That's, so that's yours, you, your stance is that, like, no matter what, no matter how this had played out, this was going to be the peak, and everything else from here was downhill. Unless, I agree with Anthony, the basketball world did not embrace him, and this is something that, you could criticize him for being so externally motivated. Baby Shark has taken over. I, it wasn't necessarily fair in a way. Um, this idea that, okay, well, he outplayed LeBron in a series. Uh, anyway, LeBron's the best player moving on. Joined a 73-win team, don't care. I mean, it seemed like the rules were different for Kevin than they were for LeBron, where LeBron has a super team. LeBron goes against KD in that finals. KD arguably outplays LeBron in that 2012 finals, by the way. Maybe, maybe not. He had a better... Uh, efficiency First two as as... games in Oklahoma City, yes, but yeah. not in Miami. Miami, they crumbled. Yeah, Miami, they crumbled, and you could say that defensively he would get in foul trouble and guarding LeBron, but whatever. You know, if you're Kevin Durant, maybe you think you play better, but LeBron and his super team wins the series. He is hailed as the best basketball player in the world. I could see from a Kevin Durant perspective, why isn't it the same for me? Why, when I join my super team and we crush lebron's team is it still lebron's the best um i could definitely understand that i think it's understandable as a grievance it just it just really it comes from the warriors won 73 games and he joins them and it just that was entirely the way it was going to be you can win six straight championships and it was he joined the team that won 73 games and, and he made that decision and it was i think it was a smart decision but it was the entire framework of how this was going to work. And if you signed that deal hoping that you would be the guy underlined and put on the throne, you probably wasn't going to work out that way. And it just, you know, you, he would have had to do it a, a different way. And you're right. LeBron does it in Miami with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, and it's not looked that way. But it just it, it wasn't going to be joining a 73-win team with step, unanimous MVP on it. And I give... Kevin credit for doing it because most guys and his Russell, Russell Westbrook wouldn't have done it. James Harden wouldn't have done it. You know, we can name it any number of superstars. Giannis might do it, but that's a whole other discussion. Um, it's just once you put it in that framework, he wasn't going to get the the love and embrace nationally that I think he was always going to well, seek. And, and also we could so clearly see that 
he wanted it and that he needed it. And when people sense that you want it and you need it, there's something else happens where it's withheld from you um, versus when you seem secure, you're more likely to get it. Or if you're just maybe smarter about having uh, people who speak on your behalf, like I think, I think it's not going too far. I don't think we're going too far out on the limb to say that LeBron has, what's the word for it? His emissaries, his, uh, his, his acolytes, people. his acolytes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. His acolytes yeah, yeah. on, on, on television. Sort Ethan, of thing. Ethan you're not that for KD. I thought you might be that. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, who, who would have thought? No, I don't, I don't have that thing with KD that LeBron has with, uh, Richard the KD victory machine. That's the whole book was written. Uh, it's from all his point about, it's all about KD's flawless personality, but, um, yeah, he doesn't have that dynamic where uh, LeBron is saying to Richard Jefferson, they're not going to fire you. Uh, you're my friend. <laughs> I don't think KD has those guys on television. Who does? Only one guy. Only one guy has that. The question I have is how how long would Steph have been okay with the two? Like, That's say it didn't work yeah, out yeah, in the perfect yeah. way. How long does Steph ride with that? But what does he do then? So what does Steph do if he's uncomfortable with this? What does he do? He sticks Andy Lou on everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Steph Steph was always wise enough to see the forest for the trees and understand that whatever the gripes and grievances it whatever the gripes and grievances it wasn't getting any better. And I think KD KD was always chasing something better. And looking in weird places like Brooklyn, apparently. I'm trying to think now Steph's contract was up after the first one with KD, right? Seventeen? Because I think yeah, I think that was it. Then so he had the decision. He he didn't have the contract. Once he signs that contract in 17, let's say the pressure gets to them in 18, Steph wouldn't have had the contract over everybody because he had signed it already. Um, like I'm saying if Steph had the contract over everybody, whole di- whole different conversation. But, like, gee, who did the con- have the contract over everybody well, for, for four straight yes, years? <laughs> yes, that, that was what I was going to say. I was like, one person you know, kept that contract uh, guillotine uh, and eventually used it. And and I don't think any well I guess LeBron's done something similar but man oh yeah he you know, used to do it in yeah. Cleveland every year Contra- and that wasn't fourth- good for Cleveland if we went back and yeah. you know kind of yeah. dissected but, that Cleveland but LeBron had that dynamic where he was drafted by the Cavs originally he is from there and so he could get local love even while having that leverage Kevin Durant it was just why do the Warriors fans love Steph so much more than they love me and well you commit to them year by year and you weren't drafted here and there's a track record of enjoying basketball prior to his arrival so it's just and, and sense. a miscalculation uh you know and the weird thing is that I guess it was kind of a miscalculation on both sides where I think Katie miscalculated the fact that you know that it didn't re- he could go and dominate as he did on the court like Steph was always going to be so beloved but also I mean from the warrior side like their thought was if he's coming to us like he's really like absolutely zero ego involved um and I don't know. I mean at the end of the day it was a successful run so here's I mean, a question I, I, I never asked you uh, Slater you know okay let's just say the second choice when he was up was Warriors first Second choice would have been to stay with the Thunder. I think that's correct, right? I mean, that was. I believe some people yeah. say Boston, yeah. but I'm. Pr- yeah, okay. I, I mean, like the Thunder very much yeah. believe. Okay. Let's a- say he stays with the Thunder. What does the one plus one with them? What happens then? I think it matters how they uh, perform that next season. It would feel a lot like the previous season where you, and not only that, you'd have what everyone thought he was going to do the one plus one because Westbrook was going to be up. Uh, Westbrook ended up extending, but I believe then it matters if they win the title or not. Um, And that, because again, that's what was the previous season. You felt going into that year, can they win the title to save Durant? And they probably should have, you know, if they could just close out that game six. Um, So it, there just would have been an absurd amount of pressure. Their belief is if Katie commits, then Al Horford commits and they trade Ennis Canner, they get off Ennis Canner's contract, and suddenly they have a starting five of it would have been um, Westbrook, Oladipo, Durant, Horford, Stephen Adams going into that next season. That would have been their starting five, and they thought that was going to be the best team in the West. And they thought they were going to win a title, and then they were going to keep it going. Yep. Sounds pretty good. Jeez, Katie, come Alternate on. Alternate universes. Alternate yep, yep. universes. 
Maybe, maybe maybe that's a story, huh? That's a story. I don't know if it is for the Bay Area, but it, it, well, we could do what would happen if they had re-signed Barnes and Azili and run it back. But it's a whole that's that's not as exciting as KD staying with the Thunder. Okay, do the KD going to Boston one? KD, yeah, that one that one <laughs> would have been weird. Him and him and that that situation would have been very weird. I'd like to see KD and Brad Stevens. That'd be interesting. Old Tommy Brady was part of the recruitment process. Almost yeah. Got in there. Oh come on! KD told me it wasn't a big deal. We have Brady there. Uh, I heard. I heard that Brady, like, he was still glowing about it. Like the next day, people <laughs> were like Tom Brady came. Which you know, I don't blame. Who him. knows? Who knows? Yeah, that's Who knows? That's, that, that lets you know you big time though. That's for sure. All right, what a look back. We got to do this again, fellas. What do you say? Yeah. Pick yep. another game. Yep, it's a good one. This is a good one. Strauss wasn't loving it, you know, when he turns on the tube and sees Pau Gasol playing at center. But <laughs> get this. You know when I was here. sold on. Well, you know when I was sold on this one. D Lee, D Lee shows up. I go, wow. Who wow, I forgot David about him. Lee. Who is more hyped about David uh, Lee's involvement, Mark Jackson or Tim Kawakami? Uh, it's, a, it's a close. Tied. It's a close. Tied. It's very close. Yeah. <laughs> and, and my it, dad is somewhere in there too. Just, yes, uh, yes. Yeah, and every every dad in the Bay Area very excited about the D Lee inclusion and all this. I like it. You, you, for, you forget things. You forget things. And then you're reminded like, oh, yeah, you know, Matt Barnes oh. getting minutes. Uh, I for, completely forget about Matt Barnes. I thought Matt Barnes was just like an add-on who didn't play that season. And there he is freaking playing long minutes. You remember who he was supposed to be? He was supposed to be Jose Calderon. That's right. Who, who was the guard who got cut right before that? Oh, God. Right. Oh, man. They had a guard. Yeah, that the locker room was pissed off when he got cut. MT, you remember that? I'm gonna look it up. Uh, right what was his name? Little dude, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. I'm trying to. I, I want to say Kiwi Gardner, but it wasn't him. It was no, another no, guy. No, no. Oh, Briante. Briante. There you yeah, go. Briante Weber. There you go. Some steals. That guy had. I remember. Hands. Do you remember the day he was cut for Calderon? Like they were pissed. They were yeah. pissed in there. And yeah. then Calderon was there for one day, right? And then, yeah, Weber and then could have there. had a ring, man. Um, yeah, do you, do you guys remember? And Marcus did this series as well with the uh, the Cavs, uh, the Cavs guys who did the 2016 Finals, and we we took a game of it. Uh, do Do you guys remember that Mo Williams played in the 2016 Finals? Because I to, I totally wiped that from my memory. He was like leader of that second unit, wasn't he? Like he was the guy who was supposed to shoot when LeBron was out. I, I think totally, they did, they... I had just erased it from my mind that Mo Williams was on the Cavs and his second Cavs go around. But yeah, you remember I was, I was like writing that. about the 2001 Warriors and was looking at, I think the year before that, and Damon Jones was on the Warriors. I was like, really? Do you remember that too? Damon Jones? Was so a warrior. So many guys came through that. <laughs> but like so many. That that's probably a story, Slater. You should just track down everybody who's played for the Warriors in the league. <laughs> yeah, it feels like go everybody's go. come through the Warriors. Or all right, send me that. Send me that phone book of yours. And nah, I'm uh, cool. Maybe I will. <laughs> all right. Uh, if you if you want us to look back on another game, feel free to let us know via Twitter. Hit us up. Uh, we'll do this again because we will still be sheltering in place. Until next time, we're out of here.